What's happening, people? We are back with another episode of Me, Myself and Basketball, the podcast brought to you by NBA UK fans, as ever, by the fans, for the fans. Be sure to follow NBA UK fans on Insta and Twitter, handles at NBA underscore UK fans. And if you've missed any of the previous episodes, uh, go to wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, wherever, type in Me, Myself and Basketball, and it will pop up there. And we've got another episode today to add to our collection. I'm your host, Stand-up comedian and huge basketball fan, Nathan Caton. You know how we do it on this podcast. We talk to a fan from, from this side of the pond. Talk to them about, you know, how they have the, how they become a fan of the NBA and their team. And, you know, just their journey as a fan. Okay? And it's great to hear all these different stories. I mean, different stories, but we're all united by, you know, just this great game that we call basketball. So let's get into it, man. Our guest today, well, I'm going to say... Uh, hello and welcome to the podcast, Hugh Hopkins. Hey, how are you, mate? Hey, we finally did it. Well done, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, for, for the listeners, we've been trying uh, to, to organise a meetup to, to record this for ages, but you know, work got in the way. You know, you, you got, we've got responsibilities, mate. We've got to do what we've got to do, but we've made it here because you know we, we love the game. Certainly do. So we've, we've made time. No, I'm really really thrilled to be here. Thank thanks for having me on, Nathan. I love this podcast. It's it's great to hear all the all the personalities from the NBA in the UK community, yeah. and yeah, it's, it's expertly headed up by yourself. So thanks for having me on. Oh, mate, you, you, mate. not only are you a basketball fan, but you're, you're a charmer as well. I like you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, mate, um, I've been trying to get you on for ages. So let's get into it. First of all, tell the people about yourself and your your role in the in the basketball community. My role, okay. So my name is Hugh Hopkins. Um, I go by the sort of the, social media handles at the hoops nerd mm. i've been i guess properly in the nba in the uk community for about four years now mm-hmm. sort of started off with with double clutch fantastic website and would highly and, and podcast of course and would highly recommend anyone who's interested in like getting involved with the world of basketball you know whether it's writing podcasting sort of you know or if you just uh, like being a social media person and creating content and following stories, I'd highly recommend getting involved with them or or at least following what they do because it's it's such excellent content. But you know, mm. sort of in the same vein as NBA UK fans, you know, sort of like just always trying to push the creatives and and get out there and stuff. And um, yeah, so I I started with them. Mm-hmm. Those guys welcomed me under the wing. But I and over the years, uh, I've sort of done bits of other media elsewhere. Um, sometimes going on BBC, sometimes uh, going on radio, TV. And these days, I sort of uh, I I write with Sky Sports. Um, oh, nice. So I, I mainly do like sort of written features and that sort of thing. You, you know, sort of analyzing the game, doing interviews. I, in terms of like my basketball journey that started way back when i was when i was like a proper kid okay my brother's like seven years older than me so Mm -hmm. he was a teenager a young teenager sort of playing basketball so i would sort of go along to his games you know and sort of would be one of those annoying kids that you you know would try to pick up the small ball and then throw it into the (laughs) into the 10 foot hoop and you know it would it would go barely halfway up vertically so so your brother played for a team yeah yeah we we both grew up in south wales and he played for Mm -hmm. like uh, a team that ran out of our local school 
shout out okay. Bathe Nights. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> big up, big up. Uh, yeah, and uh, then a few years later, I, I sort of followed suit. And uh, yeah, I remember getting, I remember like uh, getting a set of like, Black and ones. They were probably the cheapest thing on the on the uh, okay. on the circuit at the time. But yeah, I remember those were my first like proper basketball trainers. Um, and yeah, played played through juniors right right up until today. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a it's been a long a long journey uh, through the through playing and coaching and and now you know part of uh, well and now I'm on NBA UK fans podcast with with yourself Nathan Caton on so it's, you know yeah I've I've peaked I've peaked today <laughs> No, mate, don't don't sell yourself short, mate. <laughs> mate, come on. I've seen the content on social media, mate. You, you you got you got plenty more to come. So you said you got into basketball um, as a kid. Did you did you enjoy it, or are you doing it to follow your brother? Oh, like to start out, like my my brother's my hero. So like mm-hmm. I to start out, it was just I just wanted to copy everything he did. So he played bass guitar, and I played bass guitar. Um, and okay. you know he. He wanted to go traveling later in life, and I I went away for a year to do some traveling, and you know yeah, and he played basketball, I played basketball, uh, so yeah, it was it was entirely you, you've you've got a younger brother, haven't you? You you know how annoying yeah. they are. They're like I was that yeah. I was that annoying younger brother <laughs> who just wanted to copy his older brother doing everything, and yeah, it's you know, I I started probably a little younger than he did because I was just following him, but. I mm-hmm. I didn't have he was like a really good athlete like he he played rugby and he played badminton and uh, basketball and and one year won some like award at some massive award ceremony and it was like a really big deal but like I was too young to realize okay. what the hell it was but like it was okay. you know a South Wales like you know sportsman of the year thing I I, I don't I can't remember wow. what it was but it was like a really big deal. So like he was a lot better, a much better athlete than I was. But like, um, you, you know, I basically only focused on basketball. I did a little bit of football, but okay. it, it didn't last with me. I, you know, I just really got the got the bug for it um, pretty early on. Do you remember what gave you the bug? Like, what do you, was there a certain incident or a certain moment or a certain player? What what made you click and go, ah, oh, I love this game. So. I mean, we can come on to NBA stuff, but like, I I remember distinctly when I was younger, um, my a family friend mm-hmm. was. So there's a couple of moments like the sort of in my basketball memory bank from when I was really little. Well, one of my one of my friends, sort of um, family friends, uh, she was a cheerleader for a basketball team in Cardiff called Cardiff okay. Phoenix, mm-hmm. and we used to go watch. You know, it, mainly to support her because she was a family friend, but like. We we used to go watch the basketball team as well, and mm. and also we had a, we had a local women's team called Ron the Rebels. Shout out Ron the Rebel fans back in the day, <laughs> like they were they were like the elite in British basketball. You know they they went to play in Europe. They play they won numerous championships before the WBBL started, mm-hmm. um, and yeah they were they were amazing. It was a woman called Missy Lander who was I think she was Canadian. Uh, but she was like the import and she sort of was this adopted Welsh person. Uh, she came around to schools and stuff like that. So I remember I remember doing drills with her like on the on the school playground. Um, mm. And then I was watching my brother's team one day when I was little and they ran a sort of pick and roll. And there was this moment where like I've got this memory of this, the point guard like sort of 
play, you know, playing at the top of the key and um, because they ran a play and it was a really good play, you know, well, a really good play. It was just a pick and roll, but the, the he sort of duked to the right and and the whole lane opened up and he just okay. went straight down the lane for for an open layup. And I was like, wow, that's that's amazing. All the all the strategy and tactics, but also yeah. the speed and the athleticism. And it was just, it was amazing to see, you know, so there's a couple of little snapshots, um, you know, before we even get into like NBA territory, mm. uh, the, you know, would just uh, really stand out memories for me, you know, in my early days, b- before I really learned what the wider world of basketball was all about. Okay, cool, man. I like that, man. What, and so do you, do you still play now? Yeah, yeah. So I still play with local team to me now. So I've I've moved away from South Wales, but I live in the Midlands, um, mm-hmm. and I play with the Coventry Tornadoes. Um, okay. It's just, it's just a local league team, but you know we have a lot of fun. Um, we 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 can be pretty good sometimes. We can be pretty bad at the times. It's typical local league action, you know. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I I still love being around the game. And um, a couple of years ago, I started coaching. It was coaching like an under 15s team, and mm-hmm. our league was sort of like we we were pretty good in the league. But it was when we went to this like sort of postseason tournament. We we actually won the tournament. Oh, um, wow. But I couldn't be there for the final game in that tournament. It was so gutted. But like it was, you know, it was great to see the development of people. And so that's what. I that that's a real area of enjoyment for me these days is is actually coaching and sort of being involved with helping players develop and yeah I do mm. a little bit of coaching sort of assistant coaching for the local league team now so I'm I'm still really enjoying it and um I'm not as I was never like hugely talented I was No you don't sell yourself short mate No Come no I, I I wasn't like uh, I was I was never hugely talented like there was always someone on the team better than me I was always pretty good but like mm. I was never like the lead guy or anything You like the Scotty Pippen Yeah yeah I was I was I I really worked hard on defense um, and I still do today and like yeah, I, d- I don't think they're always got noticed. I, you know, I, uh, no one ever thinks uh, their their hard work is being noticed enough, is it? But like, um, yeah, it was. You know, I still just love playing basketball. I'm not it. I'm not on the court to go and score all the time. I I can get enjoyment elsewhere. You know. Okay. So, uh, what's your position? Um, well, I'm five eleven, so my position is is largely uh, decided for me. But um, so, uh, but to be fair, like I'm. I even though I'm reasonably small, like I I'm old and slow, so <laughs> I can, and, and I'm, uh, I'm I like I like sort of like you know get getting physical, so like I'm on defense, I can play most positions up until like the 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 power forward, like I, I struggle with yeah. with a couple of bigger centers, but um you know I I get physical on defense and. And yeah, I'm I'm not a great scorer, but like I'll uh, I'll be able to. Sl- I, I've got a decent first step if I've got an open uh, lane behind the defender or something, so I can I can attack the basket. Um, and I'll, I'll I'm good at boxing out and good at setting screens and doing the dirty work mainly. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. 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 You 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 make stuff happen. Yeah. 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 That's what nice. I like to think. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably just get in the way and, and piss off my teammates for for not scoring <laughs> enough. But um, yeah, Hugh, man, just just slip to the side, go to the side, <laughs> just, just, just wave. <laughs> right, let's uh, let's let's talk about uh, your your M- NBA journey then. So, what's a 
what's your earliest memory of the NBA? Well, I think the earliest memory, it's it's going to be Michael Jordan, but I think the earliest memory is my mm. brother had the VHS of the 1992 Barcelona Olympic Dream Team video. Um, oh, okay. And uh, that sure. was like the first time I ever really connected with it. I don't. I I can't remember actually watching the Olympics live in 1992. I was, you know, I, was, I guess I was only like mm. f- four, three, four, something like that. So, mm. yeah, I would I would have struggled to remember that much, but um, I remember watching the video over and over again. Um, and my brother's probably still got the VHSs, and like, and also he had a lot of those like Michael Jordan Come Fly with Me documentaries, you know, where it was all really okay. well slickly produced stuff that and and the end of season videos you know the the unforgettables the mm. unbeatables and and all, mm. all of those three peat things um the last dance basically before the last dance happened yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was uh yeah it was it was awesome i loved watching those so those were my earliest nba memories mm. and like when i was sort of growing up a little bit uh, and getting into basketball properly myself you had the whole like you know, so I was born in 1988, mm-hmm. and like by the time like I was 10, that was when well that first year was when the lockout happened. I think it was um, 1989. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you know, the, the basketball was sort of weird at that stage, but I I distinctly remember going to basketball coaching, like what you know, be, being taught basketball, and mm. my my uh, coach at the time he was saying, you know, you got to make sure you got your fundamentals right. You got to you got to make sure when you shoot, you use the backboard. And I was watching the NBA and I was like, nobody's using the backboard. And then, <laughs> but, but then there, there was, there was one person who was using the backboard with every single shot. And that was Tim Duncan. Okay. So that's when I was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm a Tim Duncan fan then. He's doing everything right. So yeah, that, that was, <laughs> that was like, even though I, I, I followed the NBA before then in some way, shape or form, I was mainly following it because I was following my brother's love for the NBA. Um, yeah. I think it was when, yeah, I was like 10 or 11 and I was watching Tim Duncan and trying to recreate his, yeah, off the glass bank shot. Like that, that mm. was, that was when I sort of realized my own fandom. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's not a bad guy to go. Tim Duncan does, does everything right apart from dress himself. Hey, hey, that <laughs> he looks cool for the time. I, I, I think. Come, I no, think. come on, mate. Come on. That's that's my nerdy white white side coming out. Sorry, bro. Um, like, <laughs> how can he be seven foot tall and still have clothes that are too baggy for you? Like, come on, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He never really had the sense that he love him. But but um, to be honest, he, he gets away with it. It's like, mate, you're Tim Duncan. You can you can do what you yeah. want off the court. Yeah. So you're you're a Spurs fan, right? Yeah, yeah. The you know the. The love of Tim Duncan sort of just f- progressed through to becoming an all-out Spurs fan. Uh, mm. Obviously, they won that championship in '99. I'll, I'll be honest; I can't remember a huge amount of that one because it was like it was after the lockout, and I'm not even sure the NBA was on TV because of the lockout. Uh, it, it's in the UK um, that mm. year. I can't remember it, but I do. I do remember then seeing. Well, you you had him a few weeks ago, didn't you? Mark Webster, um, yeah. You know, showing those shows on Channel Four and later mm. Channel Five, um, sort yeah. of late nineties, but then sort of early two thousands as well. 
yeah, that that was when I started to get back into it. I think during the 2000 season, which was annoying because Tim Duncan was injured that year um, for the fight for the playoffs run, so couldn't really challenge for that. Uh, to you know, when I was getting back into it, and we just and then you just had the Lakers sort of yeah. dominating for three years, which is yeah. so annoying. Um, but you know, we got them. We got them in in 2003. Then so it was. Uh, yeah, that 2003 one was the first one that I really remember, and I loved those really harsh defensive battles between the the Spurs and the Detroit Pistons in the finals. Like, that was, mm. to me, that was... So, like, you know, the formation of those memories, again, sort of, I think, may have added a layer to, like, oh, I need to work hard on defence, you know, because sure, I was sure, watching yeah. those those competitions and the, the 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 competition between the two and it was just a rock fight you know they they were scoring like 60 points or something it was mm. i i i loved it so much just the the act of shutting down an opposite uh, your opposite numbers it was great to watch okay cool and you must you must this question as a, as a spurs fan pop popovich mm. is he the greatest coach ever He's, he's on the Mount Rushmore, most definitely. I, yeah. I, it's 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 difficult to say who the best coach is ever because you know a lot of people will point to Popovich and say, well, he was good because he had Tim Duncan for nineteen years or wh- however long it was, and then the moment mm. he left, it was sort of like, you know, they haven't been as good since. I've got a few counters for that in the sense that, you know, Tim Duncan might have been there for the whole time, but he wasn't the center point for that team. Mm. Um, for, for that whole period, you know, the the first year, the first two years, David Robinson was still the guy, even yeah. though, you know, Tim Duncan was winning the finals MVP. I don't think they would have got there without David Robinson. Yeah. After that, that was that was Tim Duncan's team. Then the the 03 to 05, uh, ch- you know, run that was that was all Tim Duncan. He had a few injuries during that spell afterwards. And that's when sort of Tony Parker and manager Nobly came along. Um, mm. The keys got handed to them a little bit more, and then to have that final run in 2013 and 2014, like that was that was because of Kawhi, you know. So yeah. um, even though even though Tim Duncan was there acting as this like anchor on the defensive end, but also like you know he was the the leader. You you know the. It, he wasn't the focal point for the offense the entire time, and I think that's Pop's genius: is that he's he has been able to adapt, and mm-hmm. he, to be fair, mm-hmm. he did adapt as well when when Duncan retired. You know, he had a plan in place with Kawhi and bringing in uh, Aldridge at the time, and yeah. uh, they they had a really competitive season before that. Uh, Zaza Pachulia stood on his foot. Mm. Uh, or st- stuck his foot out or whatever to, to to make Kawhi land on it. And then all of a sudden, like, that screwed up the next four years, really. So it's mm. been a frustrating time because I think we could have had another... You, you know, if if that Zaza Pachulia moment didn't happen against the Golden State Warriors, I think we could have had another run post-Duncan where the Spurs mm. were competitors. I'm not saying they would have won every year, but they, you know... Ka- Kawhi in recent years has be- become in the conversation as one of the best players in the league yeah. and you know a lot of that is because of his own hard work and his own excellence but he wasn't highly recruited 
you know, the, he was sort of under no. the radar when he came into the league. So I think um, yeah. a lot of credit does need to go to the Spurs. I'm not. I'm not trying to dismiss what he's done since moving on from the Spurs. Like you know, he's he's really excelled and he's become. Well, he got us a chip. Yeah, and he and he got Toronto the the championship and stuff. Mm. Um, I, I'm I'm not trying to diminish what he's achieved, but I think a, a lot of that early success does need to sort of, you know, be attributed to how well the Spurs handled him and and they were going to hand over the keys, but it just for whatever reason didn't work out. I don't think we'll ever fully understand what how the relationship broke down, you know? But yeah, go, you, go uh... sorry, going back to what you're saying, I, I think he's up mm. there uh, with Red Auerbach. He's up there with Phil Jackson. Yeah. You know, probably Riley. Mm. And what, one of my favorite non NBA coaches is, is Cheryl Reeve of, uh, of the Minnesota Lynx in the WNBA. Okay. You know, she's, I, I, I think she's masterful has managed to win four championships and also keep that team competitive while going through a rebuilding process, a bit like the Spurs were aiming to do. So, um, yeah, those are my four slash five okay. all-time coaches. Do you pay attention more to, like, the coaching aspects, like the coaches in the NBA, like Popovich, for example, as you coach your team? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I always followed them a, a little bit, uh, more than perhaps an average person. Mainly because, like, I was, I, I was really interested in the, in in the nerdy aspects of it. Like, oh, why did that guy run over to that corner, and why did, yeah. why did that guy come and set a screen on that moment? And, you know, I was, I was always very interested in that side of things. It wasn't just about, you know, uh, massive dunks and you know, amazing three point shooting and you know, breaking someone's ankles, if anything, like I really hated the sort of just one-on-one play that sort of dominated um, Mm. with that sort of Iverson-Kobe generation. Um, And I think that's why I sort of trended towards Duncan is because he was more of a team player, whereas some of those other guys in like the 95, 96, 97 drafts, you know, Mm. like they, they mainly just tried to, beat players off the dribble it was you know it was it was like nba street ball type of and it was entertaining to watch on times but i was always more of a team person and wanted the team to do well and you know when everybody was listening to the coach and playing off the coach coach's game plan then that's where i was like oh that's why they're successful um so yeah i think i always paid attention to it but definitely i've paid attention to it more in the past five years since i've been coaching all right you must see this. If there's like, if there's one young guy in the NBA at the moment who you would love to coach, who would it be? Ooh, that's an interesting question. I'm my mind because I'm a Spurs fan. My mind immediately goes to Dejounte Murray. Um, okay. Of the of the Spurs, but you know, there's there's a couple of players with so much potential. Like. Hmm. In terms of Boston, obviously Boston are getting it in the neck at the moment because it, they've started out the season not very well. Yeah. Um, and I remember a few years ago when uh, Jason Tatum was spending a lot of time with Kobe. You know, Kobe was his hero. I understand that. He's a fantastic player. But I always thought that he needed sort of to model his game on someone different, someone a bit more like Kawhi. Now, they're, mm. they're slightly different sizes. They're slightly different body shapes. So you can't, you know, you can't be replicated, but I think he's absolutely got the potential, but he just settles so much for outside shooting at the moment. Mm. You know, there's, 
I, 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 I don't think he does his team any favors at the moment, which is a shame to see because <laughs> I, I think I think the the Celtics have a lot of talent, you know. Yeah. Did you um, see um, Marcus Smart's comments? Yeah, yeah, and honestly, it's like I I get it. I get why Marcus Smart is is stepping up like that, but honestly, it's not Marcus's. I I I don't. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I would love Marcus Smart on my team. Absolutely love it. But he's been, he's being put forward. I think because he has such a good relationship with Brad Stevens, he's been put mm. forward as like the vocal leader. When you have someone who is an excellent leader off the court in Jalen Brown, so mm. honestly, I think he should probably be the leader on the court. And you have the, you know, leading talent, and they, he doesn't. They neither of them say anything. You know, so I. I, I think he's saying it to try and fire up the team a little bit, but, and it, the, you know, they'll be okay. They'll figure it out. They've got the talent to, but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's a, it's just a bit worrying when, I mean, arguably he's, you know, he's probably the best or second best defender on the team, but he's arguably the fifth or sixth best talent on the team overall. And that's not what you want from you know, someone who's barely holding on to a starting position, in my yeah, opinion. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I love him. I would, I, I think, I think he would have been. I a couple of years ago, I pitched a trade for between him and Draymond Green. I would have loved to have seen Draymond Green in that Boston Celtics team and um, let Marcus Smart do a lot of the sort of uh, defensive work to you know, take the load off Steph and, and mm. Clay a little bit mm. on Golden State. But like, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we all play with the trade machine. But um, <laughs> I, I love those guys who work really hard, you know, um, the, the, and any coach will tell you that. If, if you want a player, uh, like I, w- I would always pick hard work over talent, um, yeah. to you know, and uh, yeah, so players like him sort of, uh, what's his name? Pey- Peyton Pritchard, even. Is, mm. am I, what is it? Is it uh, TJ. Oh, God, why am I forgetting his name? He plays with Indiana now. I think it's TJ McConnell. Oh, okay, yeah. But, yeah. I'm, but I'm, I might be thinking of CJ. No, that's CJ McConnell, McConnell from Portland. TJ McConnell, yeah. TJ McConnell, like, I love TJ McConnell. And, and it's the same with, like, Tyrese Maxey. You know, mm. they just they work so hard, even though they're, they're some of the smaller guys on the court. Um but yeah, that, th- those are my ideal players. Is the players who don't have the most talent, but clearly work the hardest on, when when they're out there. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Cool, man. All right. Let's move on. Let's talk about um. Let's talk about merchandise. All right. Okay. okay. I mean, are, are you are you a big collector? I wasn't. Um. I think lockdown sort of made me a bit more of a collector, and, and I'm, I'm. Okay. I I've, I think that's been a bit of a theme with uh, with a lot of the people you've had on the pod over the past. Hmm. year or so because it seems hmm. like i don't know it, people wanted something to do they wanted to sort of stay engaged with the game and i think i've done a lot more of that you know i i've made i've got my fair share of nba jerseys but i hmm. also try and look for the lesser uh, i i try and look for like WNBA jerseys as well um okay, i've got cool. quite a you know i've got i've got a houston comets cheryl swoops one which is a pride possession. I've got uh, a Nikesha sales one. Um, I've got like, yeah, I've got, I've got more modern ones. Obviously, I've got Isha Wilson. And I've also got a couple of like British basketball things. So I've got um, uh, Joey Leadham Warners, 
Great Britain jersey. She's like the best women's basketball player Britain has ever produced, and it's it's a mm. you know it's a point of pride to have that one. And uh, anytime I go to a, a game or something, so I went to a game uh, on the weekend and I picked up a, a Cardiff Met Archers T-shirt, you know, because like I think you do need to support women's basketball any any mm-hmm. anytime you can, you know, whether that's yeah. just buying a ticket to a game or you, uh, or even just tweeting about them. You, you know, you don't have to spend money on it, but like anytime I can spend a bit of money to help the women's teams out, I think I try to. Um, and you know, I I also like the sort of um, the, the sort of like do-it-yourself brands and things like that. So um, always balling and chain net apparel. You know, they okay. they're sort of making their own t-shirts and stuff and trying to make it, trying to give it a go. And it's the same with like Green Release. You know, they all these guys they do such a good job of being creative with design. Mm. And also some of them, you know, like like chain net apparel and. Um, I'm pretty sure Always Balling is well. Ch- Chainnet Apparel is definitely is definitely black owned, and uh, um, I- I'm pretty sure Always Balling is. So like it's I I always try and you know help out uh, sort of people who are you know I'm I mean I'm I'm you only need to take one look at me to realize I'm the whitest dude in in, in most rooms that I'm in. But like <laughs> I I think like it's it's important to to you know support the the cultures that you see in 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 basketball. So mm. yeah, I try to I try to do a bit of that where I can, yeah. And th- those are the, I I I've got some good NBA jerseys, but it's uh, it's never been like something that I want to do, what want wanted to get apart mm. from like getting the more mm. rare ones and the more unusual ones. You know, I I'm not one who just goes out and buys, uh, you know, the the latest jersey every year of my favorite team. Like it's just. I've got I've got my fair share sure. of Duncan jerseys and stuff, but um, yeah, it's it's not like I I aim to 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 get a new one every season or anything. Okay, I've of I've all the stuff that you do have though. What would you say is the uh, the prize possession like the one the one thing you would um, always save? Perhaps the Cheryl Swoops one or or the okay. Duncan jersey in terms of jerseys, okay. but like um, I'm gonna say I got I got engaged a short while ago and oh congrats uh, as an engaged so uh, obviously I I did the duty and bought the ring but um, my partner wanted to get me mm-hmm. something and she bought me some uh, Jordans of uh, it's, okay. I think they're the Team USA colorways that were released a, a year or two ago um, and they're the low tops uh, the Jordan ones and they they're beautiful they're like um, in terms of yeah, my non uh, jersey or t-shirt type things. I would say, yeah. I'd say I'm pretty proud of that one. But also my my orange hoodie, my WNBA orange hoodie. Um, I really love that. Okay, first of all, uh, I'll say uh, your fiance sounds like a keeper. Yes, mate. yes, most definitely. Big up to the future, <laughs> Mrs. Hopkins, mate. Cool. Uh, if my girlfriend is ever listening to this, hint, hint. <laughs> cool, cool. So, um. You, you follow WNBA, you follow the women's game as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the honestly, I, I just don't understand why, why people don't, you know, apart from, mm. you know, well, for, I guess people don't because they might not be aware of it, which which is fine. But like the, when people just talk shit about it, I just, I just don't get, you know, because, mm. sorry, I, d- I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this. Oh, mate, so what you want, mate. It's okay. Fine. Yeah. So fucking go for it, mate. <laughs> so, yeah. So the people who don't are fucking idiots, basically. Like they, they, the WNBA is, 
is so entertaining. Mm. And the, uh, the, I mean, people often, what, one of the huge criticisms is that they, they don't dunk. I mean, they do. It's not as often, but it's, yeah. ju- it's just what you do get is, is an increased uh, focus on, on fundamentals, which are, you know, going mm-hmm. back to the start of the podcast, you know, um, uh, that's something that I really care about is good mm. passing, good movement, great shooting. Um, but also the thing I love about the WNBA is it's during the the NBA off season mainly, so mm. I often you you can see these you know 144 uh, elite women um, through you know when you've got nothing else better to do during the NBA season, and yeah. then they a lot of them travel to like Europe um, and play. Uh, and not just Europe, you know, some people in Australia, some people in China, some people in South mm. America, but they get to, they, they play a full season sort of between September slash October through to like May. And then they just get straight back on a flight and travel to, uh, you know, the United States and then go play yeah. another, you know, to, from May until September. And mm. honestly, like they, we all, you, you know how uh, all these uh, MNBA players, you know, they, they're all saying, oh, God, we, we didn't have much of a break between the last season and the season before. <laughs> it's like, mate, have you seen the women that, that yeah, are playing yeah, professionally? Yeah. They, they do not stop. They do not yeah. stop all year round. Like, some, if some teams are playing in, like, the finals of their European tournament, they miss the start of the WNBA season in the States. And, you know, in the same, when if they're playing in the WNBA finals... Some of them struggle mm. to get to the international uh, overseas tournaments, you know, because there's so much crossover. But, like, it, it's just absolutely amazing basketball. And also, like, you know, there is the moral side of it as well. You know, women's sports has, has never had enough coverage. Yeah, I was just about to ask you that. Yeah, go Yeah, on. so there is there is that whole element in the sense that we, we need to support it because, you know, many leagues around the world, they they're probably off the pace of the men's leagues, you know, I, um, in terms of talent level in, in many respects. You know, I, I'd, I'd, I'd say that's the case in the, in the British basketball leagues, respectively. Um, but that being said, I think it's only been seven years since the Women's Basketball League, uh, the Women's British Basketball League in this country has been going. Mm. And it's already seen huge amount of growth um, in talent and development. Whereas you know the the men's British Basketball League has been going, I mean, it's thirty years or so now. I think it started in nineteen eighty seven, something like that, nineteen eighty eight. So you know it's been going for quite some time, and people often say that you know the te- television markets often say that nobody watches it, but it's sort of like it's sort of like a chicken and an egg thing, isn't it? Because nobody watches it because you don't put it on, and exactly. then you you know, and then you don't put it on because nobody watches it. But like, if you only put on one game every every two or three months, then mm. no, nobody, you know. I think on Sky Sports, not to criticise the people that um, pay, pay me, but um, <laughs> they um, <laughs> they you know they they only do like the big competitions, the, the the cup finals and and the trophy finals and stuff, and that that's great to see. And to be fair, like Sky Sports did do a lot of the playoffs last year, and that was great because everybody got to witness it and see the momentum yeah. that was building. It was fantastic. But like, mm-hmm. I think I think we do need to see more commitment around the world, not just in Britain. I'm I'm picking on Sky Sports, but it's not just them. Like, there's so many other channels that could pick it up and stuff. And yeah, it. I I think 
people need to see how good it is to realize how good it is and then people need to uh, and then people will want to go back to it and ultimately pay more money to go see them and then that'll increase revenues yeah. but but women in all walks of life have largely be been sort of you know considered second best which is absolutely not the case in, mm. in life or or in basketball so yeah yeah that that's a big part of why i do it but um also it's it's bloody good basketball oh yeah i i highly echo that for anyone who's listening who uh, hasn't watched the women's game uh, find highlights of well wnba or even like this summer's olympics uh yeah. i thought the, the women's game was, was amazing yeah the, but both the the five and five and the, the three on three it was quality so yeah absolutely it really was and like yeah the that's one thing i'll say is that like i mean america are dominant at the moment but like the yeah. three-on-three tournaments is so exciting if, oh, it, man, if you are brilliant. just getting into basketball for the first time and you've never really experienced basketball i would i would highly recommend that as a as a gateway you know because once yeah. you once you're hooked on three and three you're gonna you're gonna start loving the rest of the game but yes. it's so fun and so entertaining so quick yeah exactly all right mate i have just two more quick questions before you go into the last bit first question uh how did you get into uh working with sky sports and how is it tell us a bit about that so i was working with double clutch Mm-hmm. and you know doing quite a bit like I was really working hard at Double Clutch I, I loved what they were doing um, so I was trying to I was trying to produce something like most weeks um, during my peak period with Double Clutch but I'm also a journalist by trade so okay. I've got uh, you know I've got a lot of like uh, skills that sort of transfer and I uh, you know, they they had just taken over the broadcast rights. So previously it was BT Sport. Yeah. And I think a company, a website called GNS or Give Me Sport was doing the sort of digital side of it, the written side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sky Sports took on the broadcast rights um, for the UK. Um, and I think they partly earned it by saying, listen, we can do the, we can show the games, but we're also going to have our own platform um where we can cover it digitally every single day you know mm-hmm. and so we're, we're gonna be writing about it every single day um which is something that bt sport couldn't really offer so they got you know the moment that that happened us guys at double clutch you know we sort of reached out to sky sports and just trying to get a contact and say listen we want to help you you know you're gonna need some people to write for you um mm. and that they they got back to us and sort of said listen we thanks for reaching out we want to we you know hopefully we'll stay in touch but first up we need to find an editor who's okay. going to run our digital content and i was like oh hey i'm a, i'm a i'm a i'm an editor you know <laughs> and i like basketball um so i applied for it and i di- i didn't get the job but i think part of the interview process was also that they were looking for contributors and they were looking for people that they could put faces to names and okay. uh, come in on shifts and things like that so you know they said you know we're gonna go with someone else for the actual job but we need some sort of expertise actually i'm not going to use the word expertise because that makes me sound like an expert but we're <laughs> going to need someone who knows a bit more than us i think was the uh, the the feeling okay. so you know i said okay that's that's great so i I sort of pestered them for a bit and didn't let let it go. And that's what you do have to do in journalism. 
as you you know if someone <laughs> if someone opens the door and I'm, I'm sure it's the same in 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 your profession as well yep. man you know yep. if someone opens the door just to sort of see who's outside um you gotta ram your foot in the door and you've gotta sort of you, you know force your way in a little bit from time yeah. to time so i did that i kept my foot in the door even though they weren't sort of doing anything with me and then the wnba season rolled around and i said oh so who's doing your wnba coverage you know is, have you got any experts for that because i don't know if you know but i cover the wnba with double clutch um i'm i'm pretty good at it um i've got some contacts in the league you know and i've i've interviewed a few players um so they said well actually we don't have anyone doing that and what we need is you know we've never done wmba before what we need is a is a sort of preview of every single team and i was like yep yeah, that's me nice. now that was the that was the hardest piece of content i've ever written because <laughs> Um, and it was so long that they had to split it up over two different sessions. Okay. Um, but, but you know, putting that work in, sort of, it's it said, it said to them, listen, I'm I'm here, I can do that. And I I did that for the whole WNBA season. And then they were like, okay, well, we do, we might need some extra support from time to time for the MNBA season. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, th- so building up that relationship over time, it. You know, it started to pay off, and so I'm. I was. I was doing both leagues then, and I've been doing both leagues sort of ever since. I've done a mix of things. I've gone in for freelance shifts to the office and sort of, mm-hmm. you know, manned the desk as it were. But I've. I think I'm mainly used for, you know, writing up uh, analysis, uh, doing sure. interviews, and doing like sort of more special featurey type things. So that's the type of stuff I do uh, with, with Sky Sports. Wicked man, nice. Uh, going to games. Uh, how often do you go to games? Just like the, the your favorite game that you've been to. So in terms of MNBA games, mm. I've only ever been to two, and they've been mm. London games. Okay. One was like it was one of the first uh, tester ones. Like, well, I say the first. It was probably before, but um, it was a reg. I think it was a regular season one. It was like the first regular season one they did. It was like 2011, maybe. Um, it was Raptors versus Nets. They did. I think they did a home and, a, and an away game each. So they came over for like a week and then did, uh, you know, one of them was the Nets home game and one of them was the Raptors home game. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, that, I, I went to one of those. My, my now fiancé, but then girlfriend... Um, had a family member who worked uh, at the arena, uh, or di- didn't work at the arena, but he his company had a box at the arena, so she managed to get me a box seat, which was incredible. Oh, mate, yeah, you, you, mate, you, your partner seems more amazing. She's... Yeah, yeah, she's she's a she's amazing, man. I I, lo- I love her loads. Um, <laughs> and then uh, and then yeah, so I went to the 2019 game, uh, which was the last one before it moved to France, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, I've I've only been to two MNBA games. Um, I've never been to a, a WNBA game. I I covered a uh, a Eurobasket tournament, um, a women's Eurobasket tournament in Serbia. So I went out to cover mm-hmm. it for FIBA, and mm. wrote up a bunch of stories for FIBA and for other outlets. And then yeah, I've been to a bunch of domestic games. Been to a, a bunch of um, Great Britain games and. And yeah, I was at Cardiff Met for a, a WBBL game. 
last weekend. So I, okay. I, I get about when I can. I mean, probably the the most uh, amazing game I've been to is probably one in Serbia actually because um, it was the bronze medal game and it was Britain versus Serbia. And mm. it, first of all, it was the first time that a British team had advanced to a final four of a Euro of a Eurobasket tournament. So that was just mm-hmm. such an amazing achievement. So I was so proud to be there for that. But also like against the home home nation. And honestly, it was I've never heard a basketball arena so loud. The Serbians absolutely love their basketball. And yeah, mm. I would I would say if you ever get an opportunity to go watch a, a, a game in Serbia, it's, it's a difficult place to get to. You've got to go on like seven different connecting flights, but it's it's incredible to Gosh. do. Uh, they <laughs> they love their basketball and, and you know, it, they love their women's basketball. They were so loud for them. And they'd had such a rough journey to that, that final phase of the championship that I think they were the 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 nation was so proud of them because uh, they'd had issues in training camp and uh, the, mm. the 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 starring player was like pregnant only like two months before the tournament um, wow. and gave birth and made her way back and stuff. It was such an amazing story um, and to get to see and support Great Britain out there as well. It was it was such a joy, such a great moment. Oh, okay, man. God, that sounds amazing. Okay, well. Well, we've got to the final bit, right? It's now the, the time when uh, the, the the power is in your hands, mate. The choice is now yours, okay? You get to choose your very own starting five. It could be any five you want. It doesn't have to be the five best players, but the five players that, that means something to you, all right? Yeah. I'm intrigued to see where you're going to go with this. But we can chat about it quickly afterwards. So, Hugh, over to you, mate. Who are you going to choose? Who's who's in your starting five? So it's probably like it's it, it's probably the same as everybody or most people, but I have to go Michael Jordan mainly because he's the first person that got me into the game. You know, following my following in my brother's footsteps. My brother is a huge Charlotte Hornets fan these days because ultimately because it's MJ and like. You know, he that's who he grew up watching mm. and therefore because I copied him, that's who I grew up watching. So as as cliched as it is, you know, Michael Jordan was absolutely a favourite in our household yep. throughout our entire lives. Um and also being the greatest of all time, he probably deserves to be there. Okay, cool. Second, I guess it's probably reasonably obvious, being such a Spurs fan, I'm gonna go Tim Duncan. Okay. The greatest power forward of all time, um and probably a top ten big man of all time. Well, certainly like a top 10 player of all time, you could even argue, you know, I followed his his journey and also, you know, tried to copy his bank shot from a very early age. Mm. So and also like him and him and Jordan, like as a one two punch would be absolutely just devastating. Yeah. Next up, I'm going to go for someone who's a little bit more it's a little bit more of a personal story. Hakeem Olajuwon owns okay. or is is a certainly it has his name associated with a, a basketball team in Birmingham okay cool so I've I, I've met him a few times and uh sort what? Of co- yeah and, and covered the Hakeem Olajuwon basketball camp and uh, done some media for the camp and stuff like that so that's been pretty cool from a personal standpoint like obviously he's one of the greatest players ever anyway yeah um, yeah but yeah just getting to meet him and getting to spend a bit of time with him he's he's such a a wholesome dude uh that yeah 
it's that that's more of a personal one than than anything else i think okay next up is so if i've got like i'm gonna shift jordan over positionally slightly i'm gonna move him to small forward which wasn't necessarily his best position but i i think okay yeah the the shooting guard mm-hmm. i'm gonna go back to my spurs fandom a little bit it has to be manu ginobili oh, okay i i once wrote a sort of love letter to Manu Ginobili um, for for the, <laughs> the the FIBA website, where I argued that he was the most important international player of all time, or non non US um, player of all time. Basically, mm-hmm. because he dethroned the the the, Olymp- the US Olympic team. You know, he okay. he was able to sort of lead the Argentina team to uh to, to, to gold at the Olympics and and world championships and that sort of thing. I'm pretty sure he's the only player, um or one of just like two players in NBA history where he has an Olympic gold, a world championship gold and a and uh, an NBA championship. Um I think that That's stat good... is correct, but that that was a stat from like when I wrote that that thing a few years ago. So that m- might have changed since. But yeah, he's that's a great stat. Yeah, man. he's an, an incredible player. Um, such heart and just a wild player. You know, just the especially my memories of him was like two thousand and three to two thousand five, where he had that longish hair and it was just flying all over the place. And you know, he just looked like <laughs> a rock and roll star. And then the final player, which might might. I don't know. It might raise a few eyebrows. Maybe it won't. It's Brandon Roy. Oh, okay. So this is a dude that whose knees collapsed, right? He played for that Portland Tra- Trailblazers team. And I think without him, they wouldn't have had the heart that that is sort of carried over, you know, in, into this sort of Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum uh, mm. era. He set he set the tone and sort of got Portland back to a winning frame after they had the you know the Portland Jail Blazers um, of the, of <laughs> yeah. the early two thousands. He was <laughs> such a smooth player. I think Kobe even called him like one of the most difficult players to guard um, when he was at his peak. But his peak was so short, and uh, mm. he for me like I guess a generation before. You know, a lot of people had a lot of love for Grant Hill and a lot of hopes yeah. for Grant Hill and similar sort of thing you know i i had really high hopes for my just the way he went about his business he he was sort of tim duncanish in a sense he wasn't like showy he wasn't like you know banging his chest every time he made a shot he he was fundamentally sound he he made the right play pretty much all the time but his knees fell apart and uh yeah it's well it's one of the well it's, I, i'm still sad about it today you know i'd still love to see him out there um, he could have had a really beautiful career. Okay, oh, cool. All right. That's that's cool. see. That's what this starting five is about. Players that mean something to you. Okay, cool. No one's arguing with that, man. So <laughs> you're gonna go, Brandon Roy, Manu Ginobili, uh, Michael Jordan, Tim Duncan, and Hakeem Olajuwon. Yeah. Um, nice, nice five, mate. Thank, Thank you. you very much Thank for you. that, bro. Um, let me quickly ask you. So you said you met Hakeem. I mean, who? Like, what, what other players have you met? Um, so I've met quite a few in terms i've met quite a few on the women's side um mm-hmm. some of the some of the best players in the world um but and i i mean it's difficult to say is is zoom am i meeting you now nathan you know is this is this a meeting because like well i don't know about you mate but i i, I felt the connection <laughs> 
<laughs> it's all love. It's all love. I'm right there with you. Um, because like I've I regularly have conversations with a, a lot of like you know a lot of top players on Zoom because obviously I'm not mm -hmm. there in the states to cover it. Um, mm -hmm. So you know quite often I'm on Zoom calls. Um, sometimes it's it's press Zoom calls, so I'm there with like you know 20 other people. But like yeah. you know I'll, I'll I'll often be chatting to a couple of. I guess last season I spoke to you know the likes of uh, Kevin Durant, um, Blake Griffin, and um, I, I worked on a big story about sort of shooting threes, and I spoke to Devin Booker, um, mm. and you know a couple of really top guys in 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 the league. I think the season before I might have I might have got a quote or two from LeBron for one story oh. I was working on. You know, so I, I don't know whether you consider that meeting them, uh, but. Mate, yeah. claim it, take it. But yeah, certainly, like I've I spent um well, meeting people in person. Um, I've met it's it's mainly been uh British players to be honest. When I was following British mm -hmm. teams, but I've met some of the there's some players who like Astu Endur, who is on the Spanish team. Um, and mm -hmm. she won the Spanish gold and was the MVP of the Eurobasket tournament that I covered. And then okay. she won WNBA championship last year with, with the Chicago Sky. I spent a lot of time talking to WNBA players, so Candice Parker, okay. you know, uh, Sue Bird. Sue Bird actually said to me, hey, that's a really good question. One time when I asked her a question. And uh, <laughs> Diana Taurasi a couple of weeks ago called me mate. Um, I hey. think she heard I had a British accent, so she wanted to throw a, a, a British term in there. So yeah, I've I've spoken to to quite a few, but in terms of meeting, whether that means the same as meeting them, I don't know. But yeah, it's it's been it's been so much fun doing, you know, what I do. Yeah. I, I, I wish I could do more of it in terms of getting over to the states. Um, obviously, the past two years has been a bit, a bit shitty for that. Mm. But hopefully, going you know in, in the next couple of years is restrictions hopefully ease yeah we'll we'll be able to to you know i'll be able to to do a bit more of that wicked man oh man that's quality man you it's this has been it's been great to, to chat to you man oh thanks it's, your your journey's been great and everything that you're doing at the moment sounds brilliant and i wish you i wish you all the best of it mate if if people would, would like to follow you and you know catch what you're doing and stuff where can they do so man so yeah i, I guess you know the the social medias are the the hoops nerd on on most platforms. Mm -hmm. I I'm mainly on Twitter and mainly Instagram. I do from time to time when I can when I have the energy or the mental capacity do it go on TikTok. But I haven't done that for a little <laughs> while. But yeah, like I, I'm usually writing on Sky Sports. But in terms of like, I would I would say. Stay tuned to my social medias. Um, in the next few weeks slash months, I'm going to be working on sort of doing something a bit more regular in terms of a personal branding okay. thing. Okay. Yeah, I, it's still early, but I'm working on stuff. Um, oh, you so, tease. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll just leave you with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, cool, man. I'm going to keep my eyes peeled. Yeah, guys, so check it out. Hoops Nerd on social media. 
Remember to check out NBA UK fans on social media. That's NBA underscore UK fans on Insta and Twitter. Yeah, and keep following the podcast, man. We're on all the usual podcast platforms. Just remember, it's me, myself, and basketball brought to you by NBA UK fans, by the fans, for the fans. I've been Nathan Caton. Until next time, guys, take care. See you later.